0: at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson.
1: Do you realize how good God is? How much He loves you? You see, your sins have been forgiven, and you have assurance from Him that you are going to be in His kingdom in his presence, receiving his blessings and promises for all of eternity. And all of that is based upon what he has done and who he is. All that you and I have done is that we have received it by faith, meaning we have believed a God who does not lie. And because of how good God is, we should be like him. Our word should be always true and our actions should always reflect the character of God. But we saw last week in that last part of chapter two that the people were not displaying fidelity. They were not walking in love, the love of God. They were not keeping themselves according to the truth of God. And because of that, god is coming and he's coming to judge but if you are part of his covenant people we despite our imperfection despite at times our faithlessness and rebelliousness we can be assured we have a promise in this week's passage about god's faithfulness to his covenant people so with that said take out your bible And look with me to this prophecy of Malachi. And now we're ready for that third chapter. Malachi chapter 3. In this passage, there is a wonderful messianic prophecy. Now, Malachi, Malachi in Hebrew, means my messenger. Someone who is sent on an assignment. And again, in this third chapter, we're going to see that same word, Malachi, appear. And here, once more, it is a messianic prophecy of Messiah's coming, and in this case, coming to establish his kingdom. And because he's establishing his kingdom, he is also going to establish his kingdom people, meaning bringing them into that kingdom with him so let's begin malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 now it starts off with a very familiar word this hebrew word hine in this situation it's hineni which means behold i god is revealing something significant whenever we see that word hine behold what follows has great significance and we read here behold i am sending my messenger now this messenger is indeed messiah as i said this section of malachi chapter 3 is a wonderful messianic prophecy that speaks about god's faithfulness to carry out his ability with him all things are possible therefore he can carry out what he has promised us as i said god does not lie so in this section we see this term in hebrew malak which can mean messenger and that's the usage here it can also be an angel but we know angels were created and messiah he is eternal so he's not an angel he is a messenger The eternal son of God. A very important theological statement is this. There was never a time that Messiah did not exist. What does that mean? Well, two negatives. There was never a time that he did not exist means he's eternal. The eternal son of God, the father. Look again at verse one. Behold, I am sending my messenger. He's going to do something. Now, most Bibles will say prepare, but it's clear away. It is a word which means to get rid of. He's going to remove all those things that hinder his kingdom, hinder his will. He's going to move them away. So we might say here, behold, I am sending my messenger. He will clear a way. Other Bibles, he will prepare a way before me now this is wonderful because this messenger is going to do the work and notice something else when we read carefully it says second part of verse one behold who's coming here's who's coming the lord will come into his house who you are seeking the messenger and here's how we know that this is messianic because this one who's coming into his house notice what it says into that sanctuary that temple that term sanctuary refers to the holy of holies and this all goes back to a prophetic truth and that is this during the millennial kingdom that is that thousand year rule of our lord and savior messiah from jerusalem what jerusalem the jerusalem of today in this world now yes there is a new jerusalem but that new jerusalem is going to be based upon the final state of the kingdom of god that is what's going to be created anew after the millennial kingdom so here we're speaking about a temple that will be that will be in Jerusalem, and Messiah' is going to rule for, for a thousand years from that location. And notice, it says in the first part of verse one, "My messenger I'm sending." And it says here that this same one is the messenger of the covenant, who you are seeking. So we're seeking this messenger of the covenant, and who is that? It is Messiah. So he's the messenger of the covenant. That same word messenger is seen in a very significant messianic prophecy from the book of Genesis chapter 48, where it speaks of there this one who is the messenger of redemption. And that messenger of redemption comes to us by means of a covenantal reality, a covenantal truth. So we're speaking about Messiah, this messenger of the covenant. What covenant? The new covenant. And realize that there is an inherent relationship between the new covenant and the Abrahamic covenant. What do they have in common? Well, what they have in common is both were achieved. That is, you could enter into it only by faith. And the outcome is blessing. That's the nature of our God. He wants to bless. So he says, this one who you are seeking, the messenger of the covenant, whom you delight. That word delight, hafatzim, can mean whom you desire. It says, behold, he comes, says the Lord of hosts. Who's coming? It's Messiah. Who's announcing it? In the verse one, the Lord of hosts. Now look at verse two messiah is coming he is going to set up a kingdom of righteousness and are you going to be part of it well notice what he says in verse 2 who and this is a word for sustaining perhaps it's better to understand it with the translation endorse so who will endure the day of his coming See, he's coming for the purpose of judgment. We'll see that in a moment. And the question is, who can endure, who can sustain their life in the light of the coming of this righteous one, this one who's bringing judgment, the wrath of God? And the answer is only those who have that covenant. What covenant? That new covenant, a covenant of redemption. And redemption involves that forgiveness of sins. What does the Bible say? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, and this is a redemptive term, no remission of sin, only through redemption. That's how one is able to stand at the day of his coming. Who can stand in his appearing? When Messiah appears, who can stand? Who has that ability? Well, only those who have been redeemed by the blood of Messiah. And what does that blood do? That blood, and don't miss this, that blood has a purifying, it has a refining, it has the power to bring about a righteous change. What does that mean? That redemption prepares us for the kingdom that kingdom of righteousness because the righteousness of this messenger messiah himself is imputed to us that's the outcome of faith we become the righteous children the eternal inhabitants of god's kingdom so look on now to the second part of verse 2 where it says who is the one who can stand in his appearing For he, this is what he's going to do, he is as fire going to refine. Now, that fire is judgment. But as it is displayed and poured out on this world for those who have no covenantal relationship, who have rejected that new covenant, who did not have the faith of Abraham, that fire that's poured out will consume One won't be able to endure that, won't be able to stand through that. They are going to be consumed. But those who have been redeemed, that same fire has, notice what it says, Mitzaref, which is, it has the power to refine, to bring about a glorious state. He goes on to say that this is a cleansing. Why? Look at the end of verse 2 as the launderer's soap so it refines us as fire refines some metal and brings it into a better state it's a cleansing it's a washing it's a purification this is what messiah is going to do with israel in the last days they are going to as another prophet says the prophet zechariah They are going to look upon that one who has been pierced, and they're going to come to faith. They're going to recognize who he is, and those wounds are going to remind them of what he has done. And they are going to receive him, and that receiving is going to bring about a glorious change for them, that they are going to be declared righteous. They are going to be forgiven. They are going to be purified, cleansed so that they can too Be part of that kingdom. Look at verse 3. For he will sit as a refiner, as a purifier of silver, as one who purifies the children of Levi. Now, why is that important? Well, if you remember in the previous chapter, we see that God was most displeased with the sons of Levi the Levites and primarily the Kohanim, the priests but we're going to see that God's going to refine restore purify the priesthood once more and what is this all about well the priesthood is related to worship and therefore God's going to move so that the kingdom will be a kingdom of worship which is acceptable worship that is well pleasing to god so he will purify the sons of levi and he will refine this is a word for a wonderful refining it's related to a purifying as well this word for he will refine them as gold and silver and they shall become here's the good news They shall become those who offer an offering, that is, present a gift. And notice what it says at the end of verse 3. A gift in righteousness. Now, I want to share with you that it's so important that we see righteousness. Because that term, righteousness, is a kingdom word. And they are going to be offering up to God that which God sees and receives as righteous. This is this wonderful transition, this change that God's going to bring among his people, that he, through the last days, is going to cause his old covenant people to embrace a new covenant reality, whereby through that new covenant, they become part of the kingdom and that they will worship God in spirit and in truth in a way that that god is glorified by verse four this next word is a word of that which is pleasant so it will be pleasant to the lord the offering or the gift it's the hebrew word mintcha, which is an offering or a gift to god so it will be pleasant to the lord the offering of judah and jerusalem All of this is to tell us worship is going to be restored. What was acceptable, but because of infidelity, because of sin, because of a a unwillingness to submit to covenant truth, that is the commandments of God. God was displeased. We saw that last week and the week before that and the two weeks before that. But now there's a change coming. And what is the catalyst for this change? Very simply, what have we been talking about? Ha Adon, which is the Lord, on the day of His coming, on the day of His appearing. Messiah's coming is going to bring a change to the house of Israel, to Judah. This is what He's promising. And it's going to be a pleasant change. That's what we see in the first part of verse 4. And look at the last part. As the days of old, as the former years, there were times in Israel's history where God was pleased with them, that he rejoiced over his people. And God's going to restore that in the last days for the kingdom of God, that this is going to be their state for eternity move on to verse five he says i will draw near unto you speaking to israel i will draw near unto you for judgment now god is speaking to them through the prophet malachi about their current condition see god is only going to deal with you in a beneficial way if you realize how he sees you, that is the actual state, spiritual state that you are in. And in the days of Malachi, God was not pleased with his people. So ask yourself a question. How I'm living my lifestyle, what I say, what I confess to be truth to me, meaning what I consider to be right for my life. Is that acceptable to God? Is that how God sees it? Are you agreeing with God? Remember, in this prophecy of Malachi, one of the great problems with the people is that they didn't agree with God. See, truth is only what God says. It's not your truth, his truth, her truth. There's only one truth, and that's scriptural truth. What God says. We need to affirm what God says, agree with him. So he's coming, look again at verse five. He says, I have drawn near, literally we can say it in the future, I will draw near unto you for judgment and I will be a swift witness. And God is speaking to the people at that time and is relevant today for Israel and perhaps for you. And he's looking, he's saying, I'm testifying quickly. I can look at you and see the real you. And God's not pleased because he's testifying quickly, drawing near to observe the people. And what does he see? He sees sorceries. He sees adulteries. He sees those who are swelling, swearing uh, in lies and falsehood those who are oppressive oppressing the wages of a laborer and who are oppressing a widow and an orphan and those who are turning away the foreigner the one who wants to soldier and what's the problem here's the problem if you keep reading in this verse you find out those people were not fearing god what does that mean we've talked about this so much they were not demonstrating that god was their priority and everything in their life hear that everything in their life was submitted to god everything has to be his priority and it's only when we agree that his priorities become my priorities become your priorities this is when we begin to submit, we begin to obey, we begin to do those things that reflect God's glory in our life. And that's why you were created, and that's why you were redeemed by the blood of Messiah. Why he sent his only begotten son into this world to die that, that, that horrible, torturous death upon that tree, being crucified, all of that, so it's so that you could be transformed into a glorious vessel what does that mean a vessel that manifests god's glory through what through good deeds now i always have to say this and that is good deeds are important to god we should be doing good deeds it is not good deeds that save us good deeds do not if we do enough We become forgiven. We become acceptable. God receives us. No, that is not what the Bible reveals. What the Bible reveals is this. It is only after confessing your sin and trusting in the saving work of Messiah on that cross that you become a new creation, that you are redeemed, and that you are saved. And you will be in the kingdom of God. You have assurance. God gives what he calls eternal life, which is kingdom life. It's when I believe that, receive that, that faith is going to produce as an outcome of being saved, not as a means of salvation, but the outcome and the confirmation of salvation is going to be seen in good works. But when we look at the people here, what are they doing? They're not fearing God. They are in the midst of look again, He says, sorceries, adulteries, swearing falsely, and also oppressing, oppressing the laborer, not giving them their wages, oppressing the widow, the orphan. And instead of embracing the foreigner, among the family of God through that same faith, what were they doing? They were turning the foreigner that sojourner away why because they did not fear god they didn't have the right priorities says the lord of hosts look now to verse 6 our last verse verse 6 reveals something of the utmost importance let's just read it where he says for i am the lord i do not change that's why when people say, Well, that's the old covenant God, have they not read the scripture? God does not change. God the Father does not change. And God the Son does not change. He says, In speaking about Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Christ, He says, I am the same today, tomorrow, and forever. God does not change. There's no Old Testament God, New Testament God. All of that is false teaching. There is God, and he is the same. He does not change. Why? He was perfect, is perfect, and forever will be perfect. There is no need for a change. There is no improvement that's possible. So God is God always. What does he say? Look again at verse 6. For I am the Lord that Utevahe, that transcendent name of God that's over all things. the God who was, is and will be. He doesn't change. That's why the term here, Utevafe in Hebrew, appears: the God who does not change. Now, because God does not change, we can have confidence. God is not like some people. Well, I, I said that, but I changed my mind god does not change his mind if there's any change it goes back to what god always said and that going back is restoration that comes through his grace his mercy what changes he was going to consume with his wrath and now he says no and that's exactly what he says here look carefully at this last verse that last part of verse 6 where he says and you are the sons of jacob so significant the sons of Jacob. And he says, because of that, and Jacob, that covenant with Abraham went from Abraham to Yitzchak and to Yaakov, Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. And now the covenant belongs to the sons of Jacob. And what does he promise here? He says, I don't change. I'm not going to do anything different. And it's for that reason that God does not change. He says, you, the sons of Jacob, you are not consumed you're not going to be consumed but you are going to be redeemed and that redemption is going to bring about a glorious transformation whereby the people who sorcery adultery all those things oppression all those things are going to give away they're not going to characterize us anymore why there is going to be a marvelous, a glorious change that only redemption can bring about. And through that redemption, the one that should have been consumed with God's wrath is going to be forgiven. They are going to be recipients of God's mercy. And God's mercy changes everything. So let me ask you, have you received the mercy of God? Have you entered into that new covenant, that new covenant that was ratified by the very blood of Messiah when he died upon that cross, when that blood was, was shed? For why? We've already said, so that your sins and my sins can be forgiven, that I can enter into a covenant, a covenant of promise with a God that does not lie, when he promises to forgive us of all of our sins, past, present, and future, that there will be no reason that God wouldn't receive us. He says, your sins I will remember no more. Therefore, he looks upon us and we have been given the righteousness of Christ so that we can have assurance of our kingdom eternity. Wonderful promises from the Lord over all who does not lie,